Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Hey there, 10 Minute Traders. Welcome back to today's episode. I am actually really excited because I get to have two of my friends on the line today, Greg Gossett and Steve Burns. Both of them have been monumental to me in my trading career, and I am so excited to have them on for our very first Traders Roundtable. Steve and Greg, thank you so much for coming on the line today, and I'm going to let Steve uh, take the floor first and introduce himself. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com where we give you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance by Redwood Media Group, founder and head trader of 10MinuteStockTrader.com, Christopher Ewell. Great to be talking with you today. Uh, two of my favorite people, Greg and Chris. Uh, 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 I run a new trader, you, and uh, I, I'm popular on Twitter at S. Joseph Burns, and I'm uh, just here to share some uh, inf interesting information with everybody today. Hey, uh, my name is Greg Gossett. Uh, I've been a full-time trader for the last 24 years, and I'm excited to be here. Uh, Chris and Steve are two of my favorite people, and it's really an honor to be able to be in a roundtable with the two of you. Um, I have a YouTube channel, Gossip Trading and Mentoring Live, where I trade and teach and mentor during the last hour of the market and uh, um, at Gossip Trading on, twi on Twitter. So I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, this is great, guys. And, and for your audiences who haven't had a chance to, to follow me, my name is Christopher Ewell. Uh, I've been trading since 2009, uh, but I'm a full-time financial professional. I have been working in the finance field since probably the worst time in history to start working in the finance field, which is in 2008. And uh, it has been uh, quite the journey into going from, you know, uh, corporate finance world into trading and now into uh, content creation and, and helping other people. And, and people can reach out to me. My website is 10minutestocktrader.com. And uh, you can follow me on, on all the social platforms at 10 Minute Trading. And, uh, you know, real quick, just an aside, I started 10minutestocktrader.com. And it, it sounds like such a, a clickbait name, which it kind of was on purpose. Uh, but also, like, when I started trading, I only had like 10 minutes a day where I could trade. And I had to do it from my iPad hiding under my desk. So, <laughs> so I've run the gamut as far as, like, the, the trading career on, on both ends of, of how easy and how difficult it can be to do that. Yeah, everybody has to start somewhere. That's... Uh... It's a great story on how many traders started uh, going using the a restroom stall during a meeting at, a, at their job to trade with on their phone and uh, hopefully evolve and grow over the years. Uh, I was interested today, if you guys uh, wanted to, to talk about the new book, uh, The Man Who Solved the Market, about the Jim Simmons, and, and really focusing in on quantitative trading. Yeah, I know Greg has read it. Is that something you'd be interested in uh, hearing about, Chris? Yes, absolutely. In fact, uh, just this last week, I went on a little uh, Amazon binge order and uh, bought, I think it was 10 or 12 trading books. And, and one of them was uh, The Man Who Solved the Market. And it's somewhere between the Amazon Distribution Center and my front door right now. So I haven't read it yet, <laughs> but I'm interested in the conversation. I think this will be really interesting. What did you think of the book, Steve? Yeah, I would, you know, I've read hundreds and hundreds of trading books. I've actually lost count of how many. 
And I would put it in my top five. I mean, this is a guy who is so unknown because he's so secretive. And here he is returning uh, over 60% a year uh, since the 90s and uh, and having uh, very tiny drawdowns, great risk-reward risk ratios, and uh, really changed the, the market by using uh, quantitative edges, one of the first to get the price data in place to uh, to be able to trade quantified systems and then got faster and faster with uh, – using technology. It's an amazing story of mathematicians and statisticians and computer scientists beating the market. A lot of things he did were things that were supposed to be impossible before he did it. Sort of gave birth to the uh, quant revolution and high-frequency traders. Yeah, you know, what What I took away was just his determination and the tenacity that he had when he was trying to figure it out and, you know, the failures that he had at first uh, but he really wanted to figure this out and, you know, he got the best people in there and uh, he did eventually do it, didn't he? Yeah, he, he basically is close to the holy grail as you're going to find in trading, which we all thought was impossible. But one of the most interesting things I saw was he only won about 50 percent of the time with his firm. And uh, it was like a giant casino uh, playing with an edge he had based on patterns in data of human behaviors and just playing it over and over again thousands of times not really making any big bets just making thousands of small bets with about a 50 percent win rate but the risk reward ratio is what it seems to me really achieved his uh his profit so even a holy grail system had about a 50 percent win rate so was was that uh because he he cut his lawsuit losses like super quick or or how did that that work with the the risk reward being so skewed it sounds like from the book that he just used quantified data, you know, you know, if this, then that, then that like Bowling mm. logic where he just, uh, you know, he let them play out in the time frames what it looks like. And the, the position sizes were so small, he didn't, I don't think he had to use stop losses per se, but whenever, uh, you know, if he was going to buy the close and sell the open on a Friday to a Monday because that worked out, it looks like he just did that and the results happened. I think his position sizing was one of his edges. He didn't take the giant bets like, long-term uh, capital management took and uh, that blew uh that blew other people up his were all diversified but they were large in position but diversified in actual uh what he bought and sold hmm you know that that um buy on the close and sell at the open i know that's one of greg's things that he does every day uh i actually reached out to trend spider earlier this week and i was like i want to back test this is this is this for real or is this hocus pocus um and that's that's beyond their capabilities right now but um yeah, Greg, I, I was really thinking about you earlier this week and wanted to backtest that system because I know you, you referenced the uh, the Twitter posts that, that went around for a while talking about that. Yeah, I, I actually I actually saw that Twitter post from Steve a long time ago. And that's that's how I started to to use it. And you know, that Twitter post and the one that I talk about on my show each day. Um, for brevity's sake, I, 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 I just use what's on the, on the chart there, the, the numbers and so forth. I, I actually, well, I'll just quickly give them to you, but you know, the buy at the open, sell at the close every day since 1993, negative 13.9% buy at the close, sell at the open up until January, 2019, you return 634.2%, but, <laughs> but Steve actually, um, did his own back test on this. I know he crunched all the numbers 
And I think this was up till June. So instead of 1993 to 2019, January 2019 being 634.2%, Steve crunched the numbers from 1993 to June 13th, and it was actually 712.63%. And I can guarantee you it's higher since... that number, um, because I do it every day and I, I just know that that's the case, but yeah, it's amazing. I'm, I'm really, I mean, you know, Steve posting that on Twitter, I decided to give it a shot and it's been extremely profitable. Just that one approach has been responsible for about 22% of my profits this year. That one single. Wow. Man, isn't that crazy though? Like that it's negative 13% versus plus 600%. Yeah, it's, it shocked me when I actually saw it in the book after Greg, or you know, I posted it. Greg took it live. It was actually a backtest done by Bespoke Invest. You know, actually uh, did the backtest with software. What Greg saying, I also just took Excel and downloaded all the price data and and uh, did the backtest in Excel. You know, also it affects whether you're going to keep trading it with the same position size or you're going to compound the capital. You know, that helps. That causes the compounded growth. You keep the same size account and you keep growing your trading size as the account grows it really has different uh, returns if you just do an annualized basis versus a compounding basis for the capital but uh in the book it actually talks about you know that's the, the behavior causes that you know day traders all have to get out by the end of the day to be day traders so it causes selling pressure along with people that hate to have overnight risk and people that you know, get afraid going into news events and they all go to cash and that causes a selling pressure. And then once all that selling pressure is put on, it has to have a relief for people have nothing to do but to eventually have to buy and get back in. You know, and they also say the amateurs trade in the first hour and they go in and buy. And that also is one thing that drives it up. So it's been fascinating to watch Greg actually take a quantified uh, back-tested system that somebody did and take it live with capital and trade. It's been fun. Every morning it gaps up, I think about Greg and even my, <laughs> yeah. in my in my trading career, I always thought about all the gap ups that happening, and you capture every single one of those with that system. And you don't have you don't have intraday risk. All you have is overnight risk. And you know that back test proves the alpha is created in the overnight markets with the futures. The future traders are already piling in based on news and events, and that leaks over when the stock market opens in the morning. It has to you know adjust to what the future traders have already priced in. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I mention this every day, but I mean, it's every, it's mind blowing to me every day that if you think about it since 1993, obviously the market's much higher than it was in 1993. But what this back test shows you is that all of the returns in the S and P since 1993, all of them have come from the prices being bid up in the aftermarket bid up in the pre-market and sold into the open. So literally all of our games since 1993 have come from the after hours in the pre-market. They have not come intraday. I mean, it's fascinating. I say it every day and it still blows me away. Yeah. Intraday is where the big losses happen, not the big gains in the, in the long term. It's the overnight risk that creates the, the gains. And that is incredible that even the intraday moves generally uh, – you know, if you buy the open sell to close, you know, you're not you're net you're not you know not net positive much from all of that for all those years. Yeah. And like you mentioned, Steve, the and and in the book it mentioned 
it's the same principle with the, uh, uh, I guess, the buying on Friday. People don't want to hold over the weekend. They don't want to take the risk. And then come Monday, nothing bad happens and people have to get back in. So, you know, from from close to open or from Friday to Monday, I, I haven't seen any data actually, but it, the concept seems the same to me that people don't want to take the overnight risk. So they get out and they they bid it back up in the morning. Now, I think there was actually a book written, if I remember correctly, by uh, I think it was Yale Hirsch, the guy that uh, gave birth to the Stock Traders Almanac. They actually had a book called Don't Sell on Mondays. I believe it's one of the biggest things he found was the uh, the tendency for the market to rise on Monday. And that was uh, one of the first uh, quantitative things that, you know, the Stock Traders Almanac has all kinds of quantified data, you know, the sell in May and go away phenomenon and right. all these little days of the weeks. And I think that was something that he had written about. I think it was the 70s and uh you know, don't sell on mondays name of the book it's pretty fascinating that and it's the same thing that he they mentioned in the book uh, the uh i think it's uh was it zuckerman that wrote that book the man who solved the market and he actually mentions the friday to monday overnight phenomenon yeah yeah and you know we're talking about the buy the close sell the open or buy the friday sell or, or buy buy the buy the friday sell the monday but I mean, we're talking about two approaches. Who knows how many they use? They could use five, <laughs> 500 of these or a thousand of these. And, and, you know, with all the brain power they have on staff and all the computer computing power they have on staff, I mean, all the correlations, you know, obscure correlations, maybe, Hey, it's a Tuesday at one o'clock over time. This tends to move up if bonds are this. And if, uh, Rough rice is this. I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm mm -hmm. just making that up. But all these just obscure correlations that when they data crunch, they can find and exploit exploit those repeatable patterns. I mean, it's I was mentioning before the show, after I read the book, it really made me feel very unsmart. I, I just I can't imagine the brain power and the crunching the number and the data and finding these little gems in there to exploit. It's amazing. You know, that's actually what I was thinking when y'all are describing it is, you know, is there other data that goes into this, right? Is there a confluence of, of data points? Like, is it, uh, I know Steve is a huge proponent of the 200-day moving average. Does it only work if it's above the 200-day moving average or does it work on both sides of it? I don't know, but that was something I was thinking too, because that's how I trade is I need to see X, Y, Z, A, B, and C line up before I'm like, okay, let's do this. So interesting points there. Yeah, they had the power, most powerful backtesting and quantified data uh, computers ever created. So, I mean, they have the capacity to backtest wherever they want, you know, with, and they say they use anything that's mathematical, you know, they will input in. It's like uh, some of the greatest mathematicians ever, most of them award winners, uh, you know, just, you know, using every complex mathematical formula they can think of, you know, the things we could think of is stuff like, you know, if the VIX has a, 10-day, 30-day EMA crossover, then go short the spy or, uh, you know, things like that are more simple. But what they're using is, uh, you know, all kinds of correlations of currencies and commodities and production numbers and employment numbers and uh, all kinds of things. And with their size, uh, what's fascinating is, you know, when these people act like they never lose on Twitter with their uh, social media, <laughs> with their trading, and they win all the time, they never have any losses. It's funny because if you do that, then you compound into uh, – you know, being a billionaire or a trillionaire if you never lose. <laughs> and what I found fascinating was Medallion truly was the holy grail 
you know, unlike Bernie Madoff, you know, made it hard to get in. Uh, you know, they had to actually give back the money to the investors because they couldn't keep scaling it. It got so big and so many billions. They actually had to cut the they had to first give back all the returns every year to the investors because they couldn't keep compounding at the at the 40 uh, percent uh, net of fees rate without getting too big. Then they had to give all the money back and just go to employee only in the medallion fund. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that really shows you if you have the Holy Grail, you will compound to where you will become the market. So you have to you can't keep compounding capital. There's a limit to how much the market can bear and you will become the market and start creating the move. So that was another fascinating point that I got out of it. <clears throat> yeah, me too. And I think, you know, a takeaway there a little off the subject, but, you know, as individual retail traders, we. We have such an edge because the capital that we're putting at work, it, it's very easy. It's, it, you know, it goes through their minds. Oh, we're too big. We're going to change the market, move the market. Um, but as individual traders, I think that's one of the biggest advantages that we have. We don't move the market. We can just get in and out just as quickly as we need to without without a lot of slippage. Especially with futures or uh, stocks, you know, it's just not an issue. The only thing I've ever had an issue with with liquidity is in uh, – and options, you know, getting into options chains or even some really small, small stocks with some size. But, you know, 99% of the time, we don't have any issues with that, especially with the stock market and futures market. That's another great takeaway from the book was when Jim Simmons had originally invested in Bernie Madoff, but took the money back out because he was suspicious at yeah. the uh, steadiness of the returns. And I've heard that from many people, even before Bernie was busted. I've read uh, books that talked about, didn't mention his name, but talked about how nobody returns 1% a month consistently forever with no drawdowns that's impossible and jim simmons saw that and pulled the money from him so he not only you know had those returns with his firm but he also uh, smelled something funny at bernie madoff's fund wasn't it van thorpe that in market wizards in his interview that you know when he looked at bernie madoff's returns like he was one of the first ones right off the bat to like spot it I think you're right, Greg. I think I couldn't remember who it was. I thought it was a Market Wizards book, but I wasn't sure. But I it was. It was. It was the guy that wrote "Beat the Dealer." Yes, that's Thorpe, the one that created oh. Card County. Oh, there's Thorpe and Van Thorpe, and both of them are edu Both of them are in 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 the trading business. So yeah, Thorpe. It was Thorpe. Yeah, I remember. I read that before 2008. And the book was published before they got Bernie Madoff, I thought. In real time, I thought, huh, I wonder who that is. And in 2008, I was like, huh, I guess it was Bernie Madoff. Yeah, yeah, he spotted it. He spotted it right away. Steve, why do you think Why do you think they were successful at first with commodities, but they struggled with stocks? I think it was the the – the, what, the nature of the way they moved and the way the market makers were uh, creating it, you know, it's just different level of people like, you know, try to figure out the computers are mainly traded by professionals. Well, I think the stock markets, you know, the dentists and the doctors and the part timers, and it just it works differently. That's the same thing I saw with commodities versus the stock market. Uh, you know, you, I thought it was interesting when they had trouble with was it the Canadian dollar because the market makers kept uh, giving them bad feels. Right. And right. Couldn't get the couldn't get the system to work. Right. But yeah, it's different. The markets are so different. They're like the trend following works so great in uh, commodities, but I don't see trend following works as well the way it's done by the, you know, Ed Sakota and the trend followers with the stock market. Also, the stock market has such a bullish bias. Uh, and I think, too, stock market can be pushed around more than commodities can by everything a CEO says, everything, the earnings announcements and the, uh, 
and the nature of investors piling in and the way mutual funds rotate into money the first month. I think stocks are just a different animal than commodities is what gave them trouble, but they figured it out. They did figure it out. I'm, I'm excited, Chris, for you to read it. I think, I, I mean, I, I was in awe just reading it. I mean, I sometimes I see, you know, because I've spent thousands of hours looking at charts, sometimes I see weird little things like, okay, the market's making a new high for today, but as soon as it ticked up to that new high, the VIX ticked up, which you know, should probably do the opposite and, or just strange things. You see the market tick high, but as soon as it does, the leader of the day ticks down. And, you know, I guess I'm just not smart enough at all. I, I see sometimes weird things, but I wouldn't know how to quantify it, back test it, program it, all that kind of stuff, but they did. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to, to go through this one. Um, uh... I actually got that on my list in, in on Amazon uh, because Steve had just put out a Twitter post about, I think it was his 10 favorite trading books. And you know what this guy did? I put all 10 of them in my cart and <laughs> checked out with them. <laughs> and one of them was a, a Van Tharp book that you mentioned earlier, uh, Trader Way to Financial Freedom. I've, I'm looking at it right now on my bookshelf. I, I have got that one in yet. Uh, so it sounds like you guys have already read that one. Yeah. Uh I don't know if I've read I've read one by Van Thorpe. I know I know that, but I don't know if it was that one, but it doesn't hurt to read a lot of trading books. I I mean, I'll tell you what, I've read Steve's Moving Averages 101 before I actually got to be friends with Steve. I I think I listened to it 8 or 9 times. And uh I'll tell you what, it made a huge impact on my trading cuz it was uh, I I had kind of a spot of my trading that needed help and Reading that book, you know, all of I've read all of Steve's books. I mean, they're fantastic. You know, I I, I want to talk about Steve like he's not listening for a minute, but <laughs> but this guy, I don't know where he gets this stuff from. But first <laughs> off, he writes it so easily to understand. I think yeah. that's why he's such a big seller and so so widely regarded, right? He doesn't take these complicated topics and teach them in a complicated way. He takes a complicated topic and makes it as easy as understand as possible. And then um, I actually just started uh, part of my my uh, well I don't want to give too much away but I'm going to be buying a bunch of Steve's uh, new trader rich trader books and uh, that is actually one of my one of my personal favorite uh, trading books was because like when I was reading through this I was like oh 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 just identifying with everything Steve was talking about and the way he wrote it and it was so conversational such a easy read uh like a novel and i was so blown away uh by that so this steve guy you know if we ever get a chance to talk to him he knows what he's talking about um <laughs> love to have him on the show sometime <laughs> i agree i agree i can't say enough about i mean he's approachable he's humble um you know he doesn't brag about winners he's transparent with all of his trades Steady, you know, I, I mean, I owe a lot to Steve. I studied under Steve for a couple years and I learned a tremendous amount. I mean, I, I can't thank the man enough. We should get him on. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the kind words. Yeah, I, I, I spent so many years and decades studying and reading every book written and trading every system and every style and every time frame. It got to a point where like, you know, there's no reason for somebody to go somebody to go through all this trouble and read all these hundreds of books and all these thousands of hours. There's got to be an easier way. Like, what would I write to myself? 
you know, had I just you know, be able to send a book back to myself at the beginning and save myself all this time and trouble, you know, because it all boils down to very simple things, very simple things, you know, managing your psychology, uh, trading a quantified system that has a winning edge uh, consistently with the right position sizing, you know, having a diversified uh, systems and signals and, and just trading it is, I mean, and the rest of uh, so much of social media with tr Twitter, traders and finance is just so far away from that with all the predictions and egos and the people that are so sure the market's going to crash and they're so positive of all the silliness and so funny when they, you know they just you know message me all day and night all this silliness and i just say what's your position you know market's mm -hmm. going to crash this is not going to go on okay what's your position where's your stop loss what's your position size you know that just always shuts them up because it's all just theory and too many people are just messing around and playing around while other people really want to compound capital over a long period of time and change their life that's what it's really all about. Hey there, 10-Minute Traders. Christopher Ewell here. We'll be right back to the podcast in just a second. But I want to invite you to come and take my free web training. It's called How to Immediately Use the Same Tools and Secret Weapons the Big Banks on Wall Street are Using So You Can Avoid Wasting Time and Money Choosing the Wrong Stocks. And right after this, I got a quick clip of it, and we'll be right back into the show. So if you're interested, why not come take the free training? Super simple. All you got to do is head over to 10MinuteStockTrader.com slash free dash training. That's 10MinuteStockTrader.com slash free dash training, and we'll be right back into the episode. So secret number one on this training is how to make 20 times higher returns with 20 times less risk. Now, if that doesn't sound like some clickbait, I don't know what does, but the math actually proves out, and I'm going to show you that and why I use it and why the big banks on Wall Street use it and why uh, you know these are the kind of tools that you need right away. Secret number two, how we let the trades come to us using artificial intelligence. And this is a game changer if you struggled in the past. I don't go hunting for trades. I let them come to me and I'll show you how. And number three, my number one trading strategy. It's only so much to know what to trade. My number one trading strategy talks about how I trade. There's a lot of different components here. So number one, how to make 20 times higher returns with 20 times less risk, how we let the trades come to us using artificial intelligence, and number three, my number one trading strategy. Yeah, and, and social media is such a great place because of social media, all of us were able to connect like we have, and we live in, you know, three different parts of the country. Uh, and it's it's incredible what we can do, right? And how I connect I can connect with people on my podcast and Greg can connect with people on his YouTube and you can connect with people on your your Twitter. And you know, it, it is so toxic out there. I totally agree. Um and that's why I don't consume a lot of it. I'm not a scroller. I don't want to be in there. But it is really great to be able to connect with other people, right? Like uh, being able to get someone like Mark Minervini on my podcast. Like one of the greatest traders possibly ever was like, sure, I'll come on your podcast. Just because I asked him a question on Twitter. It's like, like holy cow, this is, this is the greatest thing of all time. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. There's a lot of knuckleheads out there, but it is, it is pretty great what you can do with it. Yeah, one of the things that got me started on social media was when I first went on Facebook, I think it was like 2010 maybe, and I went on Facebook and it recommended, you know, most people get all their high school people they went to recommendations to be friends with. And I had recommendations for all the trading authors that I had known through through Amazon because I used to read 
read and write reviews on all the trading books on Amazon. I was at one point the 151st most helpful uh, reviewer on Amazon back around uh, 2004, 2005. Wow. 151st most helpful, and they put me in the Vine program. And and, I, and all the tra- authors, you know, Alexander Elder would just send me all his books, and that's how I read so many books. So they all sent uh. me, you know, and I had tons and tons of review copy of books. It was crazy. And uh, I'd write reviews. It was like creating my own uh, book reports, you know, so I'd remember it. I'd go back and look at my own reviews, and I just did it on Amazon, you know, as a way to journal it all. And uh, that's really where I got started learning, meeting a lot of people, traders, new traders, uh, authors, a lot of market wizards. And then a lot of them carried over. I got their face. I saw their Facebook accounts when I went on Facebook. It recommended all the email addresses I had. So then I connected with Covell and Van Tharp and Curtis Faith and uh, a lot of uh, Tom Basso, a lot of uh, of traders over the years. It's been fascinating, like you said, Chris, to be able to uh, reach out and talk and chat and uh, even get to know and be friends with a lot of uh, my heroes in the trading world. It's, it's been an amazing uh, journey. Steve, um, you know, I've, I've always meant to ask you this question in, in, in our Skype calls and lessons, um, but how did you put, you know, you have a very distinct trading methodology, which I follow very closely. How did you put it together which which books were most i mean influential and maybe it was a combination of books but how did you put your approach together it's interesting question sort of like a like you said a confluence like uh covell's trend following the principles of always going in the path of least resistance you know that helped me understand looking at all the back test back testing was one of my best tools was historical chart studies and back testing and focusing on the stock market as my market and i saw the bullish bias of the stock market so i over the years learned the hard way you know having less and less short positions and less and less short side strategies and to focus on the stock market and then to get the position size right where i would never lose more than one percent of my trading count if i was wrong and then having a what how how volatile each thing on my watch list was you know i could trade there was times i put on put 100% of my uh, trading account in the SPY or the QQQ or, <laughs> you know, indexes because they're safe. They're already diversified by 500 or 100 things. So I could put, you know, all in on an index, but I have to maybe go 10% in on a on a volatile stock and, you know, build it through backtesting, chart studies, the principles of trend following. Uh, Van Tharp, we talked about in his book, I think it's uh, the, the how to become financially independent through our financial freedom through trading uh, you know, the marble game was another great one for me. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> he shows, you know, you know, have everybody had the same win rate and uh, how much you know, percentage they're going to win or lose. And he'd draw a marble out and whatever he picked, you can bet whatever you want to bet position size. And he showed that everyone had the same trades, the same uh, magnitude of wins or losses, but their position size completely determined their outcome. So that was another big key learning for me is how I had such draw. I mean, I was very aggressive when I was young. I bet you can relate to that, Greg. Oh, very, very yeah. aggressive, you know, and just trading way too big and having, you know, I'd make great returns and have huge, you know, especially during the dot-com craziness. But I'd also have big, big drawdowns. And I just learned if you, I'd rather make a 20% return with a 5 or 10% drawdown than a 50% return with a, with a 40 or 50% drawdown. And uh, the risk of ruin, understanding, you know, the probability that I may not, I was lucky to have come back from those drawdowns. So, you know, a lot of things came into play for it all to come together with psychology, 
uh, risk, you know, even the, the way you tie stress management into position sizing and how the psychology interacts with the trading, the position sizing based on volatility, diversification. So you have enough exposure to the right markets, but you don't have overexposure and you have different stocks or different uh, commodities that will perform differently with ETFs in different market environments. Uh, so uh, and what I needed is my goal for my return. So what I had to trade to get that return and just having a small edge over and over. So it was it was a long journey of many decades, much like yours. Do you do you think your approach will will change in the future? Do you think it will be modified? But what I've, I've gotten less aggressive, like the older I get, the less aggressive I get. You know, I become, sure. I become happy with, you know you know, 12% returns, 15% returns. I'm completely happy with that, you know, and if, you know, and people have to understand too, is like when you underperform buy and hold, you know, there's years where it spies up 20% and you're up 15% and you're, and you're frustrated, but you really had, you know, one fourth to draw down a buy and hold. And, uh, you know, eventually they're taking on so much more risk to get their returns than a trader is when you can just go to cash, you know, in 2008 or during a uh, 20% uh, corrections. But uh, yeah, I, I'm just I'm, I'm trying to get to just a good correlation in my targets. I want to do about 15, 20 percent a year with about five percent drawdown. And I'm I much rather will give up returns than to create more risk and more drawdown. So I do grow I grow more conservative because I've achieved my goals and now I just don't want to, you know, lose what I have. I'm very happy with what I have. I just have to you know, keep having good, nice returns year over year without any big drawdown. So I do get more conservative. But other than being conservative, do you think any of your approaches will change? I think I, like you've done with your overnight spy trade after reading the book, I am getting interested in more quanti quantified, quantitative systems like that where you find little edges and you just execute them with the position size. I've actually pondered taking the uh, overnight SP500 trade live next year. That is something I've looked at and I've been working at what the position size would be, how much leverage would I want to use SSO or UPRO for more leverage, you know, what the drawdown would be on that and how it performs under different market environments. So yeah, I've thought about using quantified thing, even Chris Ohl getting into some options trades and just going back into some options. I haven't traded those in years. I used to really have fun, too much fun trading <laughs> to a fault. But actually looking at, you know, options, things to limit risk and go back into in the money calls or, you know, just finding something, though, that just repeats where you must make steady money. Another fascinating book I read uh, years ago was, uh, you know, long, short straddles in the spy back test over the history of, uh, of the spy is profitable even through the 19 using SP 500 through the 1987 crash using the SP 500 straddles does play out over the long term for profitability. You know, I thought about using that on a weekly basis and selling some kind of premium. Of course, I would want to do, you know, hedge it with wings uh, out of the money options than to just have open risk. I don't think I'd ever do that. But uh, just looking at, you know, edges, sort of like from the book, quantified edges that you just play over and over. It seems like Renaissance technology has almost built itself its own casino. And uh, that's yeah. a pretty cool thing. If you know that you have an edge and you're just executing it over and over again and letting it play out. Yeah. You know, Steve, on that topic, um, I, when I was looking at, you know, implementing uh, Greg's strategy there, uh, my first thought was going to options because, you know, let's say you sold an out of the money put spread. Um, you're going to get that theta decay from one day to the next. And I mean, you would compound that with also the Delta move. 
And I was like, hey, you know what? That actually might be something there, right? Take a little tiny position, a little spread, and, you know, just repeat it over overnight every day. Um, so that was what was going through my mind, was you get the data and the theta, the delta and the theta. <laughs> yeah, uh, I moving together. I also thought about selling uh, selling premium at the open every morning since the market doesn't tend to move intraday over the long term, you know, selling selling premium right at the open every day and then uh, closing it out every uh, day at the close. You yeah, know, that, make, that makes sense. Selling put, I mean, seeing what size you got to do to make it meaningful, you know, sell a, or even you know, sell a put as the market, or sell a call because the market generally doesn't crash up. You know, usually the risk is more in puts than in calls because you can have crash downs, but you really have crash ups. So it might be an edge on selling a call every morning and then close. I remember back, I used to trade, I used to day trade uh, weekly options, you know, and in the pins, especially on Friday, the pin action around certain price points were so accurate for so long, you know, thinking, man, you could make a lot of money just selling. Even if you went in Friday and sold a, sold a bunch of calls that morning and closed them out that evening uh, before the market closed. So that's probably a, a system in there. Yeah. <clears throat> Makes sense. I, you know, that's the great thing about trading. You know, you can be as creative as you want. Yeah, as long as you're just looking for edges. Yeah, as long as you're looking for edges. I, I think traders just need to get back to basics. You know, there's there's so many approaches um, and they seem complex. But, you know, as Steve taught me, you know, I mean, people lose money because they position size too large and they stay and they, you know, they basically stay on the wrong side of the moving average. I mean, that's back to basics. Position size correctly, stay on the right side of your moving average. And if you're wrong, just get out. But I, I think people need to get back to basics. Yeah, well, great. Basic. On that topic, you know, uh, this is something that I learned and had to overcome. And it, it's still occasionally that little, little voice in the back of my head. It's like, well, are you sure you want to do that? But the, the idea of, um, and, I, and really, I think I think uh, Steve said it. It's like you know the only way you blow out as a trader is by having too many losing positions, and you have too many losing positions because you're not closing them when you're supposed to. Yeah. How do you guys look at that and like mentally grasp? Okay, I can move on with this, even though it's a loser. Because I know that that like from a uh, you know a new trader's perspective, they're like, I'm gonna hold on to this. It's gonna come back. And, you know, at at the end of the day, they may be. It potentially tens or hundreds of points away and they're still like it'll come back <laughs> hope <laughs> what are your thoughts on that steve yeah it's built in human physiology i think they've shown psychologically people have multiple times more pain with losses than they have feeling good about wins so people naturally don't want to lock in a loss they want like you said jump to hope and want it to come back to even they feels better to get back to even than admit they're wrong part of the ego comes into that and they, uh, and you want to have a winner. They want to get those profits off as quickly as possible and lock them in, you know. And they don't want to let it run. It's 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 funny. People are physiologically built to uh, let losers run, hoping they'll come back, and and they want to lock in profits quickly so they can have the win of saying, "I won money. I made money. I made this profit." When in reality, they need a reason. You know, if if the market has proven that you have a high probability of being wrong after entering, it's much smarter to keep the loss small now and get out instead of risking a larger loss. You know, and if you have a winner, there's no reason to get out. It's not overbought. It hasn't gone too far too fast. You know, it's it could go much, much farther. You need the big winners to offset the, the losers. And what people normally do that make them unprofitable, why 90% of people don't make money is they have big losers and small winners. 
Yeah, and I tried to explain that to my brother-in-law one day because he wants to trade. And I was like, you know, the hardest part of trading to really just grasp and get over is letting your winners run but cutting your losers short. Because it sounds so easy. It sounds like, yeah, of course, that's what everybody does, right? But in reality, like, it's the hardest thing because you're like, oh, but but I got these profits, so I'm going to take them real quick. And then the losers, it's like, I'll just, in options terms, I'll just roll it to next month. It'll come back. I'll roll it to next month. It'll come back. And I know that there are uh, trading mentors out there that preach this philosophy where, you know, you take your winners as soon as you have them and then you you roll your losers month to month and eventually they'll come back. And and I have found through my own trading that that's just it's it's a recipe for disaster. And I've I've lived it. Let me tell you, I've lived the recipe for disaster training that way. Um, so, yeah, it's it's crazy the way, uh, you know, it seems so intuitive, but yet is difficult to do. <laughs> and profitable trading is simply the size of your wins versus the size of your losses, you know, uh, along with your winning percentage. You know, you can be profitable with a lower winning percentage and you can be unprofitable with a high winning percentage. Mm-hmm. The most important thing is the size of your wins versus your losses. And that's what profitable trading is. Everything else is just uh, is just opinions and theories. That's the math is, is what that is. I've read. Uh, I can't remember where I read it, but it did make sense. You know, Chris was just saying that, you know, people want to take profits quickly and they want to let their losers run. So, you know, from an evolutionary standpoint and a psychological standpoint, you're up against two big issues. And the first issue from like evolutionary standpoint is when we were, you know, um, when we were doing, I mean, long time ago, right, when when man was just evolving, we would plant our crops, but we would always be scared that we'd have a frost come in. And if the frost came in, then we have no food for the winter. So we, as soon as you have a little sprouts, you know, as soon as your, your crops starts uh, sprouting a little bit coming up, they would go out and hurry and um, uh, take the crop in so they had something. So when it comes to trading, when we have a, from an evolutionary standpoint, when we have a gain, that kind of is in our DNA to take it while it's there. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, referencing back to crops. And then, of course, on the other side, we have this ego problem where if we're wrong, uh, we we don't want to be wrong. It hurts our ego, so we want to stay in that position. I mean, one thing that might be helpful, I, I learned this from Larry Williams taught me this. But he says, I go into every single trade um, thinking it's going to be a loser. And if I think it's going to be a loser, then if it becomes a loser, then it doesn't hurt my ego. I was right on my prediction and it's easy for, <laughs> and it's easy for me to get out. And I, you know, I, it sounds a little negative, but I do, I'm scared of every single trade and I assume it's going to be a loser so that if it is a loser, I quickly get out, my ego's intact and, you know, when it all comes out in the wash, it's good that I get out of a loser quickly instead of thinking, oh, this is going to be a winner. And then it starts going against me and then I want to keep it. So anyway, maybe a little hack for people out there to if you take that mindset, it's it's worked for me. Yeah. Huh. That's really interesting. And in fact, I would I would almost like hate to do that because I, I, I would be like, oh, this is going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, so if every trade I put on is going to be a loser, then I'm just going to be losing all the time and then. Then Greg doesn't know what he's talking about and screw this trading thing. <laughs> <laughs> Try it. 
try it. I mean, if, if you have a problem getting out of losing trades, but it really has helped me. I, I got it. I mean, it's just a weird little mindset. I go, this trade's probably going to be a loser. And if it is, aha, I was right. And I, it's very easy to get out and it keeps me on the track of keeping my losses small. I think uh, Paul Tudor Jones had a quote just like that. Paul Tudor Jones said he went in every morning uh, expecting every trade. He had to be a loser. So he already set his mind like that. It's a risk to start off. And he's been one of the greatest consistent traders for the last 30 years. Oh. Uh, I, don't, I don't think his flagship funds have had a losing year in 30 years. Wow. And had double-digit returns until recently. I think recently he's underperformed like so many. And Ray Dalio's underperformed the way the markets have been really going beyond historical norms in the last right. few years. Right. Uh, but I think that was one of uh, Jim Simmons firm's edges was, you know, he hired the mathematicians and the computer scientists and the programmers to do purely mathematical trades and uh, didn't, didn't have emotions and feelings and egos involved. They just simply created systems and let the systems run and then made adjustments to the systems and used machine learning to uh, to adjust to the market as it evolved. So uh, I think that's one of his major edges. There's no emotions and egos and and uh, stomach aches and headaches going on when he's executing thousands of trades through the computers every day at Renaissance. Yeah. You know, one thing on that topic, um, the way that I'm, I'm trading now, I've got my, my, my model that I built up and it doesn't even allow me to keep the trades on if they're going the wrong way. Like in the past, uh, you know, if, if something's moving, you know, with the 520 crossover this direction and then it crosses back the other direction. Now my system's like, you know what? That's probably a, a trade for the other way than you're holding it. And it's probably a good time to get out now. So, you know, I, there was this guy I learned uh, the moving average crossovers from called Steve Burns. Like I say, he uh, he knows what he's talking about. Um, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, I don't remember which one of Steve's books it was, but I think it was... Um, moving average crossovers that beat buy and hold was one of the first ones I read. And I was like, wow, this is really interesting. And then in fact, Greg, you, you mentioned on one of your episodes and I picked it up and you said it so casually without, I don't even think, you know, anyone else noticed it, but you were like the moving average crossover system is designed to have small losses and big wins. And I was like, Whoa, great. You know, bulb went off in my head. Like, wow, that is really brilliant. Cause it's true. So yeah, that's uh. You know, I, le I learned that from Steve, by the way. That wasn't me. <laughs> the Steve guy, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I learned that from many different people. Many different people use the moving average in different contexts. Uh, you know, from the turtle traders, Jerry Parker talked about them. Uh, and one of the most legendary ones, Marty Schwartz, uh, day trading the S&P 500 futures back in the, what was maybe the late 80s. So he used the five-day the 10-day the EMA is his green light, red light signal for day trading, and he was making 20% a month from uh, from day trading the futures, which is, you know, is a Herculean task. Very few people ever achieve that consistently. Amazing. And, uh, so, you know, a lot of a lot of that I, you know, picked up from the William J. O'Neill company. So I've learned pieces of moving averages from probably 10 different really big sources, including Paul Tudor Jones. And I've tried to integrate that all together into systems and actually backtest all the numbers. But like uh, like you said, it's uh, it's funny how a moving average is just a, tr is a, is a filter of a trend. It, it captures, it shows you what direction the market's moving in. It also is a risk management tool where if you closes below that you get out but if it's trending it's a way to quantify and measure a trend and stay with it so it's fascinating how there are tools for risk reward ratios yeah 
Yep, for sure. For sure. Well, guys, we have reached the end of our time today. That was 45 minutes. That felt like 10. It did. It totally (laughs) did. I feel like we could do this for hours. So we're going to have to do this again. Um, I don't know when the next one will be, but I want to shoot for this being at least monthly, if not more often than that, because I know... You know, the audience out there for for all three of our respective audiences is going to get a huge thrill from this, uh, being able to to listen and and hear hear these insights, you know, that they wouldn't get just from like a normal uh, interview type situation. But being able to, to talk casually and, and what we've learned and, and how we're implementing it and things like that. So, guys, this was really, really great. Steve, where would you like people to reach out to you at uh, going forward? Hey, I think uh, just newtraderu.com. It's uh, the letter U, newtraderu.com. That's where you can connect with me on any platform from there. Perfect. And and Greg, where can people find you at? Um, they can find me on YouTube. Uh, my channel is called Gossip Trading and Mentoring Live. And uh, during the last market of each, uh, during the last hour uh, of each day, the last hour of the market of each day, um, I. You know, I trade live. I explain what I'm doing, what my current positions are, how I'm managing them. I look for new positions and so forth. And a lot of what we just talked about here is my approach. So if they'd like to tune in, it'd be great to have them there. Awesome. And uh, for everyone else, uh, you know, you can reach out to me. My website is 10minutestocktrader.com. That's one zero M-I-N-U-T-E, stocktrader.com. And uh, also, I'd love for you to check out my podcast. It's called the How to Trade Stocks and Options Podcast. I put that on three days a week. And, you know, it's not quite as much as Greg, but, but I'm trying because <laughs> Greg is up there every single day. So listen, guys, this has been awesome. I cannot wait to do the next Traders Roundtable. And, uh, you know, I'm so thrilled that we're able to connect and, and to share this with the, with the audience out there. So thank you so much for, for allowing us to happen. I'm glad you put this together, Chris. I always enjoy talking to you guys, even if we were just talking amongst ourselves. Yeah, thank you, Chris. This was great, and I I appreciate the invite. My pleasure. And thank you guys for tuning in to our our first Traders Roundtable. Uh, You know what? Be sure to subscribe to all three of our platforms, and we'll see you on the next episode. Hey, did you realize that you could get the secret weapon that every investor needs right now to start changing your financial future for free? Yeah, that's right. Just head on over to triplestockprofits.com and download your free Triple Stock Profit System ebook today. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell, with content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. TimMinutesStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not in the business of trading securities trades nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. TimMinutesStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. 
stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit timinusstocktrader.com slash legal. Thanks for stopping by.